Hello, welcome to Real Grit, the Cowboy Podcast. I am your host this week, Cayman Davison. I'm joined by my good friends here, Andrew Foster and Tristan Blummer. Hey, hey. Hey, howdy there. Hey, what's going on, guys? So this week, uh, you know, the last few weeks, we talked about a general overview of the Cowboy, kind of our thoughts on where it is generally and kind of going over a broad history. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the Cowboy and popular culture and media portrayal. So we're going to delve into... You mean the real Cowboy. Yeah. What the Cowboys really were. The real Cowboy. (laughs) Exactly. How Hollywood has portrayed him. And that's how we see him. all that matters. Or her, you know, exactly. So we're going to talk a little bit about the movies, the books, and the music that has shaped the modern perception of what the Cowboy is. So I think first off, we're going to talk about movies. And I have here pulled up in front of me is the I, well, not IMDb. That's a good list. But the Rotten Tomatoes actually list of the top 100 cowboy movies. And I just want to talk real quick. The first one that comes up is The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. Classic with Clint Eastwood and Andrew. Let me hear your thoughts on why you think The Good, The Bad, The Ugly is not the number one movie. (laughs) Well, uh, of of the of the dollars trilogy or of all western movies in general i mean all western movies right oh, we're right, talking right. about all the cowboys i mean you know classic movie classic music yeah but i would agree with you we've talked about this before the good the bad the ugly is not the greatest western or cowboy epic ever made and i kind of want to hear your thoughts on why you think that is cuz i think uh generally maybe a lot of the audience would agree with you and so th- let's talk about it. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I do disagree with the Rotten Tomatoes list. It's, it's pretty rotten, but that's just my opinion. They can have their <laughs> <Yeah>. own. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, they put the good, the bad, the ugly. I mean, I would honestly put the searchers there. Um, and we've talked about this before. you got to be careful because I could talk forever about the searchers. I, I love that movie. But going back to the good, the bad, the ugly, it is – it's it's a great film. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, and say, oh, this is just terrible. I mean, I do mm-hmm. love The Good and the Bad, the Ugly in its own way. But in, in the Dollars trilogy, you had Fistful of Dollars for a few dollars more and then The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, which finished out that trilogy directed by Sergio Leone, uh, starring Clint Eastwood. Um, good, the Bad, the Ugly is kind of the, the culmination of success. Uh, those films are spaghetti westerns, and spaghetti westerns were Italian-made westerns. Um, it was becoming a they're the west. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> it's the Mario Brothers in the West. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they became really popular in Italy uh, in the, in the 1960s. And one of the things that happened with the with the spaghetti westerns was that they were a lot. They were way more gritty, and than a lot of the American westerns were. There weren't as many. Um, restrictions on on content in European films as there were in American films. And so they kind of had a, a different edge to them. And that's really what you got with the the portrayal that Clint Eastwood did. I mean, if you look at um, Fistful of Dollars, his first spaghetti western, I mean, he he rides in the town. He, he, he gets on some guys for insulting his mule. He shoots them all off a fence. He's kind of like, you know, he doesn't, he plays kind of dirty. Um, he's not this kind of so much of a white hat type of type of character and i feel that of that trilogy though the first one fistful of dollars is just so much more raw and authentic probably Mm -hmm. because it was low budget 
it was they were just kind of trying to figure it out. Clint Eastwood even showed up on the scene without even a costume. He actually went around and cobbled together that costume, which has become so iconic now with the with the poncho and all that sort of stuff. He keep keep he came up with that himself. They didn't even have a costume made for him for the film. And and um, yeah, it just it just looks so much more raw and and kind of realistic. I feel whereas by the time you get to the good, the bad, the ugly, it's it's a lot more esoteric. The film is is very visual it's 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 i mean if you even watch like the final gun battle it's all about what they're doing with the camera it's close-ups of the eyes and close-ups of their hands twitching near their guns and it goes on for like six seven eight minutes of them just staring each other down it has a lot more of a of 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 a visual language as opposed to the original film was more kind of a i guess more of a classic kind of shoot 'em up type low budget western so was it was it the first introduction of like a Mexican standoff traditionally like the three kind of or is that that's been around for a while? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the kind of standoff had kind of been there, but just the way that it was it was portrayed and with the 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 Indio Morricone score uh, kind of accentuating it. It was it was it was a the good, the bad, the ugly, I guess what I'm trying to say it was more of an art film. It had kind of that exactly that I was new say, age it's probably art. the most iconic music. Like yeah. the most iconic theme of yeah. any. I mean, can you name any? Anyone can name the, that theme. I recognize that theme music. Right. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. all over. I mean, any any. I mean, commercials all over today. Movies they still play that theme constantly. Exactly. Yeah. That one exactly. Yeah, and I think it's it's really important for the listener to understand that um, something that's not really talked about is the Hayes Code. Right. Yes. So, for those what who aren't the aware, Hayes Code? the Hayes Code was a set of rules between about 1934 and 1968 that Hollywood more or less imposed on themselves. And this is just like a quick summary. But the code prohibited profanity, suggestive nudity, graphic or realistic violence, sexual persuasions, and rape in Hollywood movies. And so, what we see with the Good, the Bad, the Ugly, which came out in 1967, is that. This, this kind of pushed the envelope of that. Um, it, was, it was violent by the days, you know, that, that, that era's... Um, basically, it was violent for that time, essentially. Um, and it was gritty, like you said, very gritty. Um, which brings me to kind of the next thing we, I want to talk about. Like, I'm a huge fan of the Clint Eastwood movies. I think they're iconic. I think they're really good. But what... What we see here is that the American Westerns, you had a very clear good guy, right? You had the cowboy in a white hat and the bad guy, (laughs) he was his nemesis, in a black hat, right? The good, the bad, Mm -hmm. the ugly kind of blurred the lines because he wasn't good, he wasn't bad. He was just there and he was just surviving. And Mm -hmm. what do do they call that? The, um, the... It was kind of the uh, anti-hero. The anti-hero. Anti-hero. Yeah. yeah. Which the like the, yeah. the Bourne movies, for those who have seen the Bourne movies, is mm-hmm. a perfect example of an anti-hero. You, you want him to win, but he's also going against the U.S. government, and it's like okay. Well. I mean, yeah, like they portray the U.S. government in a bad way. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole. We're talking well, about not, cowboys. Not, I don't know. It's like <laughs> the whole. It's not the whole government, but yeah. It's, yeah. It's a, the CIA, it's a of it. for instance, right? Yeah. Um, but with that, I think so. The good, the bad, the ugly is rated number one on Rotten Tomatoes. And you know, whatever you, the listener, think, um, Rotten Tomatoes has become, in my opinion, very irrelevant. Most of the time, they give a movie a rotten, like a rotten tomato, you know, fifty, thirty, 
20%. And the audience score is like 95. I mean, it's it's insane. Michael Bay, the Transformer movies. Um, a lot of recent you know, movies or shows come out. Rotten Tomatoes, critic scores are bad. But the audience score is high. So I, I, I'm kind of a bit hesitant to use them. But I think it's really good for us to talk about kind of their top 10, which interestingly enough, their number 10 is The Searchers, which is my my favorite Western of all time. Um, John Wayne movie, uh, epic, epic. If you haven't seen The Searchers, please watch it. It is so good. It is what I consider to be the epitome of a good guy Western movie. He's borderline an uh, anti-hero. Yeah, he is, yeah. Yep. Yeah, borderline. Um, but he is... He has real grit, which is what our podcast is based off of, right? And he spends years and years and years doing something he promised to his dying relatives. And I think that's an interesting take on the Western. And actually, Tristan, I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious. What would you say would be your top Western movie? I mean, I'm not, I'm not going for older. I think all of us kind of gravitate towards the, the 50s, the 40s, 50s, 60s yeah. kind of Western but what would you say would be your favorite? It would be The Searchers. The and Searchers, like I said, okay. sadly, I don't have, I haven't watched the majority of these. Um, I read I read more books, probably Western books, than I did actually watch movies. So that, probably The Searchers and, um, uh, what's the one? Rooster, Cockburn, oh, um, True Blank. True Grit. Were probably the ones, that were the most iconic in my mind that I remembered the best of, of what I'd seen. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, which I mean, you know, the actually the newest True Grit I think is rated number yeah number seven, the one with uh, Jeff Bridges and Matt Damon, which is mm-hmm. actually a really good movie. I think. Um, yeah, I, I think it was it was it was different enough that they did a good take on it, a good spin on it. And I'll, and and it's 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 also much more accurate to the book than the '60s version. I mean, you you can't get past the the the, the 1969 version with with John Wayne is great because. It's John Wayne, and he's at his yeah. peak, right, the pinnacle right there. But mm-hmm. it also, if you look at the film, it looks very 1969. Yeah, uh, it's, it's more of an, a late 60s take on that story. Whereas the what the Coen Brothers did with with the New True Grid is is if you, if you read the book, it's a lot closer. Even even the language of the book, the way the vernacular, kind of that old mm-hmm. style vernacular of the 1800s, which which the author got into the book, they translated well into the movie. So it's it's a much much more authentic take on the book. But the yeah the original version is just man, it's John Wayne, and he's just awesome in that film. <laughs> Exactly, and I think he won an Oscar for that, right? He did, yes, yes. Yeah, and that's, that's his yeah. only Oscar. The only Oscar <laughs> and, John Wayne won was for True Grit. Let's talk true. about and, that. And, you know, <laughs> going, going back to the Searchers, I mean, that's one I think he should have won the Oscar for because, really, you know, I mean, True Grit, he did a great job, but he he kind of he was just kind of playing that that you know, kind of a kind of a grumpy old guy, kind of dr- half drunk guy, which he could do pretty good. But in in the Searchers, I mean, he is playing. I mean, just some of the the, the intensity of his acting in that film. I mean, there's, there's the one shot where, where they go and they're, they, they go to a, a, an army outpost and they're looking through all these, these captured or that they've, they've recaptured back from this, this uh, Indian tribe that the army had just, had just taken out. And they're trying to see if he can't find his, his relative, you know, and there's, there's this one, this one gal on there who's basically, she's just gone completely crazy. She just starts screaming and stuff. And there's this shot where John Wayne turns and the camera tracks and right on his face. And the look of intensity is just chilling. 
I mean, he acted his heart out in that film, and that's the one I think exactly. he should have got the Oscar for. But you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm gonna. Well, uh, yeah, Tristan, go ahead. So can I can I go on a, a sidetrack? So um, one point you'll find when you look all through there that they actually call the Searchers as one of the major influences for Star Wars and several other films. Uh, George Lucas was actually. Um, heavily influenced by it when he was developing the screenplay. We're all Star Wars nerds too. Maybe this will encourage some of you to go see the movie for that for that reason. <laughs> go yeah. watch the Searchers. But I was I was curious. I was going to ask you guys if you guys knew John Wayne's last uncredited credit for a movie. Oh, what, what movie it was? I, I know this one. It would be in Star <laughs> Wars. He yes, plays it is. the guy. Did you know that came in? I did not know that. No, <laughs> I didn't either. In Moss Eisley Spaceport, the guy that the long nosed yep. guy that's the spy. That's John uh, Wayne's voice. Garin, sped up. Garinadin. Yes. No, yep. the the spy guy. Wow. So the story. Yeah. So here's the story. It was basically so you know you guys know Ben Burt, the audio you know right. genius yeah, of Star exactly. Wars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So he was looking for some kind of gibberish alien language to use for that character. And so when he was doing that, he was looking through the audio files and he found this this audio clip in their in their archives that was all kind of buzzy and messed up. It had been corrupted and it sounded like a kind of like a synthesizer type thing. So he realized it was a clip from Wayne, from John Wayne. Um, I'm not sure exactly which when. Uh, let's see, it doesn't say what it was for, what that clip was from. Anyway, so he kind of did like mess with it a little bit digitized it a bit so kind of make it less human sounding but that is actually john wayne's voice that is used for um garina dan the alien spy yes that's crazy i mean he (laughs) yeah i mean i I think i think it's safe to say and if you the listener have never watched a john wayne movie please watch a john wayne movie he Mm -hmm. is very much and i think I think well, it's maybe, not this nepotism, is it, Cayman? No, no, no. Related. I mean, <laughs> he is, his real name is Marion Morrison. My mother's maiden name is Morrison. My grandpa is John Wayne's cousin. Anyways, but I think it's important. <laughs> I think it's nepotism. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think it's important to talk about, and we, we we've talked about this a bit. That John Wayne was actually targeted by the Russians. Yes. Um, because he was such a patriotic American, and he was so pro-American, anti-communist that the Russians actually. Like, no kidding, targeted John Wayne because his movies influenced the world. I mean, it's it's just a fact of life. Hollywood influenced, you know, Hollywood is the exportation of American culture to the world is really what it is. I mean, we were the first to create movies. We were the first to create this global Hollywood reality. And that's why, I mean, let's be real, the American accent that we all kind of have is a Western accent technically, and that's based from California. And that's seen as the real American accent, right? We have Southern accents, Eastern accents, Boston accents, Northwest accents, blah, blah, blah. But when people think of an American accent, they think of a California slash Western accent. And that's because of Hollywood, because we exported our culture, which is based out of a California accent based sort of mentality. So I think it's important to think about that, that John Wayne, was a true, you know, in my family, just for the listener to understand, in my family, my great-grandpa, great-grandpa Morrison, hated John Wayne. He said he was a fake. <laughs> he was a fake cowboy, yeah. right? He wasn't a real cowboy because he he pretended to be it where my great-grandpa and my grandpa and my all those cousins, et cetera, my uncles are all real cowboys. So John Wayne was a, a, 
a facade, essentially. But he still had a huge impact on our American culture, and I think the cowboy culture in general. Yeah, um, I mean, Clint Eastwood would be the other one, I would say, probably. Exactly. Yeah. And even just look at yeah. you know, Clint Eastwood's movies now. I mean, they're, they're just gritty, and they're very pro-American. They're very, I don't know, great stuff. Um, so with that being said, we'll, we'll delve more into John Wayne movies as we move along, kind of through the history of the cowboy, things like that. Um, yeah. Definitely check out thecowboypodcast.com. We've posted some of our favorite movies on there you could check out. Um, definitely take a look at that. And that's us, you know, us three kind of putting the movies we think are worth watching. Um, but I want to talk a bit more about modern cowboy portrayals. So mm-hmm. we have the John Wayne era is kind of what I call it. So, you know, mid-70s, The Shootist, um, which is kind of his last movie. And then we kind of had a dark age of cowboys. There was a few being made. And then we have Unforgiven, which I believe is uh, 1992. Right, Clint Eastwood. So are we in the Renaissance of cowboy movies? And if we went to the Dark Age, this is kind of yeah. Renaissance. We had Clint Eastwood, <laughs> Gene Hackman, Morgan Freeman. They played in a in a kind of a gritty, dark cowboy movie. And then we had Tombstone. Right, great movie. I'll be your Huckleberry. Like one of the one of the probably one of the best modern cowboys. This is what I call it. Dances with Wolves won all the Oscars. And then we had sort of a break from the westerns. And then what I would consider to be the resurgence, whether we like it or not, was Brokeback Mountain, right? Interesting movie, gay cowboys, or homosexual, whatever you want to say. Um, and that kind of brought the Western to the light again in an interesting way. So it was kind of an anti-Western in a way because mm-hmm. it was so much of it had been so masculine before and it was kind of the, not the opposite, but in a way bringing that in was kind of a, a turning it on its head. Exactly. In a way by yeah. tying that in. And we'll, we'll talk more about that as we move along in the podcast. Mm-hmm. We'll delve deeper into pop culture in a more detailed way. You know, this is just kind of an overview. So I think the what really kind of brought the cowboy movie back was No Country for Old Men. 2007, mm, yes. based off Cormac McCarthy's grim, darkly funny novel, kind of had Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem, epic bad guy, a very yeah, modern Western, very dark themed. But yeah, Tristan, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, that was one of that movie sticks out to me. I watched that a long time ago and and it's it's very iconic i mean it definitely is western it's more it's it's definitely like realistic in a way they're dealing with you know drug money and and which sadly is a large part of like western communities drugs being run across the border and such but talk about like oh man like the the epitome of a of a bad guy it's 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 josh brolin right he's the the plays the he plays the hero kind of javier bardem or not the bad guy yeah no sorry javier yeah javier he (laughs) man that that iconic shotgun with the silencer and and he just he doesn't say a lot he's just this this brooding dark force and the, and that scene in the in the gas station oh yeah where he he does the flip of a coin for like basically for the life whether or not he kills the the teller and he doesn't tell him that's why he's doing it but there's that that amazing tension that is built and where you, the viewer, knows what's going on, you can see the 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 teller, or the the cashier guy, is, is kind of dawning on him, like, I'm in danger. This guy yeah. is no joke, but he doesn't know for sure. He's just trying to like, oh, this is kind of a weird situation. But you've seen all that history of what he's done. So anyway, yeah, very well done, just as a film, generally. Exactly. And Andy, I'm curious. I know you're kind of what I would call an old soul 
if you will. I am. Um, <laughs> you can call you know, me that. That's fine. Yeah. What would you say would be your <laughs> most um, relevant? So for me, No Country for Old Men was the most relevant, what I'd say, modern Western, right? Mm-hmm. What would you say yours would be? Uh, for me, it would be kind of a toss-up between the, the new True Grit. But actually, I'm a huge fan of Kevin Costner's 2003 film, um, Open Range. With okay. Kevin Costner and and uh, Robert Duvall, I I love that movie. Well, it's because I'm a big Robert Duvall fan, and uh, just Costner and Duvall in that film are just I, I feel are just perfect. And but still, that's also a very kind of if you, that film is a very old style western. I mean, it's you mm-hmm. know, it's 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 the it's the the good guys against the 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 corrupt bad guys in town and the big fight that ensues. So it still kind of has a lot of those those old style kind of classic western themes. But as as something in that I guess in that new era you know the last 20 25 years it'd probably be that film yeah i agree and i think we we have to recognize the movie the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford with brad pitt and casey affleck right that's more of an art house film it took a long time to make a long time to get funding but if you haven't seen it i highly recommend it it's a very interesting very very interesting take and for me personally my great 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 I think Grandpa, the Blags, from Wyoming, ran with the Jesse James gang or the James mm-hmm. gang. So they kind of, you know, we actually have old pictures. So me, yeah, yeah outlaw blood in you then? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. Yeah, my. <laughs> I, we'll, we'll talk about it later. My, you know, my great aunt Betsy had some interesting experiences with cowboys, outlaws specifically. <laughs> very, very interesting. We'll talk about that in yeah. future podcasts. So stay tuned. So that's kind of the the take of the movies, and I think it's important to talk about what, for me, inspired this podcast is the the new TV show Yellowstone. Um, there's a resurgence currently happening of cowboys in pop culture. They're, it's so interesting to me. Um, when I first watched Yellowstone, I think that the second season had just come out, um, and people loved it you know people love seeing the 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 cowboy who defends what's his own and if you look at these old movies you know more specifically the john wayne movies i think and even like um true get unforgiven um we talked about no country for old men whether it's moral or not it's men protecting what they deem is their own their own that their own property their own family and I think that's kind of the key here. We're talking about like, you know, Yellowstone. It's all about a family protecting their land, their way of life. And I think that's really interesting. We'll, we'll delve more into it. But that's kind of just a, a quick primer of what this podcast is trying to do is talk about what drives these men, right? Um, and I think Yellowstone does a pretty good job. I mean, there's a lot of shenanigans, if you will, going on in that, in that, that show. It's a very modern take on what a cowboy is. There's a lot of breaking of the law, a lot of this and that, but people love it. You know, like my friends, specifically from the Northeast, from the East Coast, they think it's great. Um, and they, they want to be a part of that world. And I think we have to really take a look at where that world comes from, which we'll delve more into, as I said, when we, in this podcast, the, the history of the cowboy. Um, but with that, I think we should talk a bit about music the cowboy music and i'm not talking about country music not the modern nashville version you know nashville's in tennessee it's not the west at all 
I'm talking blasphemy, right? (laughs) I'm talking about um, just good music, right? So I pulled up. So we have the. So you're talking about Taylor Swift, right? Oh yeah, exactly. She's T Swizzle, as I call her. I'll be able, I'll be able to be relevant to yeah. this conversation. I'm I'm a big I'm a, Swift I'm a big T Swift fan. I won't lie. She's got a great voice. But okay, yeah, I will admit that. Yeah, um, only because you did. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm talking more about. So I have pulled up here, theboot.com has their top. Uh, I believe it's ten country songs, and we'll start with number one, and that's Ghost Riders in the Sky by Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash, great mm-hmm. great artist. You know he wrote. So many great music, and actually, for the listener, um, growing up, Andy's brother Matt would play the guitar, and I would sing. Um, was it Ring of Fire? Yeah, you did Ring of Fire. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was a classic. We grew up with that. I mean, we grew up listening to Johnny Cash. Um, so I think my favorite country music is my, my favorite song, if you will, is Amarillo by Morning by George Strait. I think that's an epic, great classic yeah. Christian song, and. My, Not Christian, rather. My uh, uncle was country. very much a George Strait country fan when I would work with him. We listened to a lot of George Strait. And uh, do they have any I mean, Garth Brooks? Well, no? I mean, Garth, no, Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks. I mean, come on now. He's he's, he's pop country. I'm not going to talk bad about I Garth love Brooks. Garth Brooks. Great. I don't like him so much now as new stuff, but I like, you know, I mean, the Thunder Rolls. The Thunder Rolls is classic. You got to listen to it. Um, you yeah. know, King George or, you know, George Strait as we know him. But I know, Andy, again, you're an old soul. Let's talk about your favorite country music, your favorite cowboy songs. Let's 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 delve into that a bit. So, I mean, I yeah, I, I do go back a little bit further. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of Gene Autry. Gene Autry's music mm-hmm. is, is, a, is a big – I love Gene Autry movies as well. But um, Gene Autry is great. Even back to, to guys like Tex Ritter did, did some great stuff. Sons of the Pioneer. Um, they were a, a so great. The pioneers, yeah, my grandma loved those. Great, so many of those tapes. Yeah, yeah, great, great group. Um, so I mean, a lot of those songs. That's where where a lot of artists have 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 um, revived those over the years here and there. But I mean, that that was huge in the in the the thirties and forties. Was this kind of this resurgence of the of quote unquote cowboy music, which was more of actually just kind of pop music because. But because westerns were so popular, there was also this western-flavored uh, music that was popular that just kind of seemed to kind of kind of have this romanticizing of, of the west. And so there were some some great songs. Actually, my favorite, one of my all-time favorite albums is Marty Robbins' Gunfighter Songs and Ballads. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's mm-hmm. a classic. That yeah, is a that's great a good album. And, and that's, a, that's another one, too. Is, and actually, right here, actually, look on this list, number seven, they have The Streets of Laredo, uh, Marty Robbins. Um, so yeah, those, those, those are all, all some of my, my, uh, my all time favorites. Roy Rogers was also big in that time. I'm not so much a Roy mm-hmm. Rogers fan. I don't know why. Um, I just always liked, I always liked he was Gene a little Autry bit more stuff. kind of like, I would say like, what do you, what do you call it? Like a, what do they call him? Tinsel cowboy kind of, or uh, he was, a dime he had, store cowboy. Yeah. yeah. He kind of had more of a kind of a, yeah, kind of a, a, yeah, kind of a flashy showy kind of, kind of, yeah. Edge where, or, uh, did you guys notice that? Number five is Bing Crosby. Would you guys think of Bing Crosby as a cowboy singer? I mean, this is a cowboy I mean, movie, but <laughs> I don't picture him as a, he's not a Western singer in my book. No, but. no, it's, it's, <laughs> and and uh, and 
he, he did but it was it was pop it was the popular music of that time though like we it need was. to understand yeah that. it was more like show tunes about like i mean the, that wasn't though i wouldn't picture it as western no but it was 1936 and let's let's talk about that like the western you know from the mid 30s to probably the late 50s early 60s i mean the cowboy movie the, the i mean you had so much western stuff going on right tv mm-hmm. movie music it was what was popular and a lot of that has to do with world war ii which we'll get into you know obviously mm-hmm. about how the united states government actually pushed the cowboy to you know invigorate the americans to go to war essentially like hey this is a cowboy he's this selfless bad ass for lack of better words and so um you know you should be like a cowboy and that 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 pop culture took part of it and uh yeah it's, yeah it's interesting um and that's where, where that where that that music came in so if anybody was anybody you would you would probably be doing some some quote-unquote cowboy songs i mean i even exactly. i've come across when i when i'm working on doing doing these shows editing them together sometimes i like to see if i can't find a, a little song that's in the public domain out there that's that was recorded long ago and you actually find even a lot of bands like glenn miller or tommy dorsey type bands are are doing orchestral <laughs> versions of don't fence me in and and all sorts of stuff like that it was it was pop music at the time and everybody was trying to cover it because it was selling so well um the original pop goes country right yeah, yeah. so so that was and that was you're right came that was just that was just really a huge media presence in that in that era i mean mm-hmm. even with the early days of television i can't remember the stat exactly but but by the late 50s the of the top like 15 shows on television 11 of them were westerns exactly i mean and there were like over 50 different western shows going on in primetime television during that era it was it was it was huge and part of that also goes in the fact that they were easy and cheap to produce as well with the tv era they're you're shooting in hollywood so you're technically kind of out west anyway with a bunch of desert landscapes so it was stuff that could be mass produced very easily but it was wildly popular as well yeah i mean i'm trying to think you know i grew up so my grandpa he used to have the western channel on all the time and so it was was back-to-back westerns um and I'm trying to think of some of the movies, you know, Gunsmoke was huge. I mean, there's a TV show, huge. Gunsmoke was massive. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but yeah, TV, movies, music, it was pro, it was huge. I mean, it was, it was massive for the, the Western and it, it, it kind of died out, you know, as we saw, but I think um, my, you know, like I said, my favorite artist is George Strait. I, but also, you know, um, let me look here. This uh, this list has uh, what's it called? Uh, Mamas don't let your cowboy. Or, excuse me, Mamas don't let your baby scrub to be cowboys by William Jennings and Willie Nelson. Great oh song. yeah, Willie Nelson, great, yeah, great. I love. Great um, what was the th- the three of them? Um, them and one other that they created. Oh, that, um, that was them and uh, Johnny Cash and or, Chris Christopherson. They were the highway. Yes. Man. Yeah, the Highwaymen. Yeah. Oh, that's exactly. the, the song, the Highwaymen. Their opener one. It's a great song. Exactly, the like Mavericks all together. I mean, great, great music. And again, we'll have this all posted at thecowboypodcast.com. Take a look. Some of our top picks for music you should definitely listen to if you want to get a real, what we consider a real cowboy take on it. And I know my dad's talked a lot about the importance of music on the cattle drive, and that's something we definitely will want to delve into. Um, sadly. 
due to time constraints, we can't really go super deep. So we'll move on to books, right? Because um, we're talking about movies, music, and books, basically pop culture. So we're just going to touch on this real quick. The books of the cowboy. You can't movie. You can't really talk about cowboy books without talking about Louis L'Amour and Cormac McCarthy. Those are some very much classic, but also Zane Grey wrote, as we were talking about earlier, what is it? The, oh man, I'm blanking. The, oh, the Writers of the Purple Sage. Yeah, Writers of the Purple Sage. Very controversial book um, about the LDS Church, Latter-day Saints or Mormons, as some people know them. Great book. I highly suggest you read it, listener. As well as we were talking about, what is it? The uh, Study in Scarlet, right? The first... Sherlock Holmes book is kind of set in the West in Salt Lake City. It's a mm-hmm. it's a great book. He actually yeah. had to apologize to the LDS Church eventually because it's all about the, <laughs> yeah. the Mormons. It's interesting, very interesting kind of take on the European look at the West and what they saw was going on out West, which was just wild, wild West. Really, it was. And um, I think it's an interesting take. But... Real quick, I'm going to just ask Andy first, then Tristan, favorite cowboy books and why? Um, actually, my all-time favorite book is True Grit. I love I love the, the novel True Grit as well. So that sits as my as my top spot. After that, I'm a huge Lou Lamore fan. Um, I have I, I'll, pretty much every book he's written. I have like 20 books short <laughs> with like the 100, whatever there are. So I love to read Lou Lamore. Um, Owen Wister's The Virginian, that's a pivotal book in, in the history of, of the Western. Um, Max Brand is an author, kind of a contemporary of Zane Gray's in that same era. Really, really kind of good, straightforward, fun Westerns. Um, and also, uh, I, I like uh, even some of the um, books that were actually based off some of the, some of the uh, movies at that time. You have, you have things like, there were several... Uh, Gene Autry books that I've got that I like to read and the the novelization or the actual novel The Searchers that the movie is based off is is an awesome read as well so uh, yeah that's those are those are my I guess top favorites of things that I'll I'll read on westerns Tristan yeah so I would um, I don't have as much varied um, it's been a while since I picked up a you know growing up definitely um, Louis L'Amour I read quite a few of his his books, particularly the Sackets series, I really liked. Um, it's about a, a family. They they kind of different books hit on different like characters in the Sackett family and their different feuds with other families and things going on. So um, I always really enjoyed enjoyed those. Like uh, one of I think one of my favorites was I think it was the Daybreakers. Mm-hmm. One of the ones mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah, that's a yeah. Those are those are good series. I think for me, if I had to be real, Little Britches series. Oh yeah. It's called. Oh yes, I totally forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, it's that, a very well. it's written by a individual who lived through the early years of the 1900s all the way up through it's the Great Depression and it's a It's kind of a fictionalized biography, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, very much. It's I, think, I can't remember how many books it is, but I remember growing up my mom read it to us. You know, we'd sit around the the fire, the wood stove and she would read us the books and it was just epic and um, not very well known, but a really, really good story about just suffering and r- real grit. I mean, this this individual yeah. had real grit, and I think it's really important to understand um, 
the American mentality at the time, you know, the early 1900s, I think the 1940s, maybe pre-World War II, just understanding how tough these people were. I mean, they were just tough people. Um, they had some real, real grit. I mean, real grit. <laughs> and yeah. it's a, well, this guy, uh, the author is Ralph Moody. Ralph Moody. Yeah. Uh, great. He was eight year, eight years old in 1906 when he moved from New Hampshire to Colorado. And there was, there was eight books in this. Series. Yeah. There you go. Great. I mean, for you, the listener, please look it up. It's such, it's one of the best books I've ever read. I mean, it's just, it's a, you know, eight book series, but it's so good. It really paints the picture of what it was like around the turn of the century living out west and it wasn't pretty right i mean the west is a is still an untamed world and i think that really showed even then like it just it's untamed like it's just it's a rough place and i love it it's it's great um but with that said you know we will delve more into more particulars i think yellowstone is something we'll delve more into john wayne john ford um We'll definitely hit on those a lot deeper as well as more of the 80s 90s early 2000s portrayal of a cowboy and kind of hollywood how it has influenced what we as modern americans think of a cowboy and i think that's you know we'll talk more about that especially books and music i mean country music now is not country music for real they they slap country music on it that's just my my take you know take it as you will Anyways, uh, Tristan is our host next week. I'm going to throw it to him, and he can talk. Yeah, so we're going to delve into um, Cortez, um, a lot of like Mexico, Spain, Franciscan Padre monks, and how they had a hand in teaching people how to ride horseback, kind of the inception of, of uh, cattle and uh, horseback riding, how those two merged. So it's real, real interesting history there. So until then, thank you, listener, for listening. You can visit our website at thecowboypodcast.com where you can like, rate, subscribe our podcast on any of the podcast uh, listening apps that you're listening to us on, Anchor, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Stitcher, wherever it may be. And most importantly, if you like the podcast, please share it with your family and friends or your fellow riders at the end of a long day in the cattle drive. <laughs> exactly. Again, thank you for listening. And we will catch you down the trail. Till next time.